So today's daf is daf kuf gimel, page one hundred three, mesaches yavamas. We're up to kav hakiteya mani. All right, this is six lines from the top of the umud of kuf gimel amud aleph. Six lines from the top, and we're going back to the brisa again. We're describing various types of shoes. That's what we're learning on yesterday's daf that you're allowed to remove. That she's allowed to remove. That's going to be considered a valid chalitza. So one of the things we mentioned is if she takes off the prosthetic foot from her brother-in-law who's an amputee that um, it's going to be considered a chalitza because that itself is considered a shoe. All right? So kav hakiteyamani. Who is the opinion? Who's the Tana who says that it's going to be a valid chalitza? So the Gemara says Reb Meir he. That is the opinion of Rebbe Meir. Titanah. Because we learned in the Mishnah. On Shabbos, there's no issue of carrying. If somebody's an amputee, he's allowed to wear his prosthetic, his wooden foot. This is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Why? Why? So we're assuming right now, because Rabbi Meir holds it's like a shoe. And the same way you're allowed to wear your shoe outside, the same way that's not a problem. So too, you're allowed to wear your, um, uh, um, I'm sorry, the same way a prosthetic is called a shoe. So we're assuming the same thing's going to hold true with uh, being considered a valid chalitza. Rabbi Yaisi says, no, you're not allowed to wear your prosthetic outside on Shabbos. It's not considered a shoe. Um, Ba'anpilya shal beged. What about an anpilya of a beged? Now remember an anpilya, we learned earlier, was a type of sack. Now over here we're saying it's a sack made out of a garment. Asa'on l'rabbanan. This is going to bring us to the psak, to the ruling of the rabbanan. Okay? So right now we're, we're left hanging a little bit with this, with the case of the sack. Why? Because we have, a, we have an issue. The Misa, we just said, that Rav Meir holds that a wooden foot is considered a shoe. Rav Yaisi holds that it's not. And that, but if that's true, why doesn't Rav Meir say that a sack also should be considered a shoe, which he doesn't hold? He doesn't agree with that. So we want to, like, we're kind of asking Lachora, the two should be the same. That's the Gemara's assumption now. To which the Gemara responds, no, Omar Abaye, it's not a, it's not a steer over here, because me, the Sefer Rabbanon, Reisha Nami Rabbanon, the, the Sefer is the Rabbanon, the Reisha is the Rabbanon, and that's all talking about the, that you need a leather shoe, but the Reisha of the Brisa is dealing actually with a prosthetic foot that is covered with a leather shoe. And everybody would agree that a prosthetic foot covered with a leather shoe that under such a circumstance, the foot, that that is considered a shoe. Everybody would agree to that. Amalei Rava, Rava says, let's say you don't have, let's say the wooden foot is not covered with, with a leather shoe, what would be the halacha? Puzzle. We're going to say that a regular wooden foot without a shoe would not be a valid chalitza. Okay? Now, if that's true, since at the in the sefer of the brisa we say that that a sack made out of regular garment lif, um, is not going to be valid only a leather one will be valid so lift like bedida why doesn't the brisa within itself show us the difference and say like this i'll tell you the difference whether or not a the removal of a shoe from a prosthetic wooden foot is valid and the difference is going to be as follows 
When do we say that you can do chalitza with a wooden foot? That is, that's when the wooden foot has a leather shoe on it. A leather sack. A leather ampilia. But let's say it's only a material sack. It's not made out of leather. Puzzle. We'll say it's not a valid Chalitza, that's the, the, we should have created the nafkamina within the case of a covering of a wooden shoe. Why are you jumping? So the Gemara says, you're right. Last step about this, Elam HaRava, Midereisha Rav Meir, Seifa Nami Rav Meir. We're not going to say the Reisha Seifa Rabbanan. Rather, the Reisha and Seifa are both Rebbe Meir, meaning that Rav Meir will, Rav Meir will be maskim. Rav Meir will, will, will say that a regular material sock Placed upon of a wooden foot, if the removal that it's not going to be a kosher chalitza, how because high mugging the high loy mugging. He said, "I'll tell you the difference." Okay, to remove the actual foot itself, since the foot itself gives protection. If you take off the actual foot, that's going to be a valid chalitza. But to take a material sock off of a wooden foot, a sock itself doesn't give enough. It's not mugging enough. It doesn't protect enough. And therefore, it's not going to be a kosher chalitza. Meaning, what we're walking away with is that Rav Meir's underlying reasoning, whether or not something is going to be a kosher chalitza when you remove it, depends on whether or not whatever you're removing gives protection to the body. Okay? A wooden foot gives protection. The sack on top of a wooden foot does not give protection. Hence, it's not going to be valid. Okay? Fine. So this is all concerning, remember, our perek is going to be teaching us all the halachas about how to properly perform chalitza. So we know now that she would be the one to untie the shoe, to take off the shoe. We're learning what's considered a shoe to be a valid chalitza. And then the Gemara continues and says, Amar Ameymar, Ameymar taught us, Haiman de chalitz, this woman who's doing chalitza, um, uh, when the woman's doing chalitza, you have to make sure that um, the foot has pressure on the ground. Okay, why do we make sure that the foot is, is touching the ground? Now, the reason for this is as follows. We don't want it to potentially be where she's untying it and then the foot, the, the shoe is falling off by itself. Because sometimes you untie your shoe it becomes so loose that it comes off on its own. So rather, what do we do? We tell the Yavam, keep your foot with pressure, keep the, so to speak, the pedal to the metal, right? Keep your foot with pressure to the ground. This way, when the, when the Yavama removes it, there's no chance that it was falling off on its own. It's only because of her physical removal that it's coming off. That's what Amemar states. Amalei Ravashi Lameimar. Who has two feet. So we're just going to make sure that his foot is positioned. No, I'm saying if we, if someone who has two regular feet, yeah. two shoes. So what happens there? So she she unties and removes his regular shoe. She goes and takes and unties the shoe and and and, and forcefully removes it. Yeah, no, it's with kayak, with strength. Yeah. So Amemar is just saying, in order to make sure that she's the one removing it and that it's not happening by itself, his foot should be on the ground. Okay. 
Some Ravashi Lameimar, Ravashi says Lameimar, Ayva Hatani, we learned in the Brisa, Bain Oimed, Bain Yoshev, Bain Muta, that the Yavam is allowed to be standing, he's allowed to be sitting, he's allowed to be leaning, which seems to imply that he doesn't need to necessarily be pressured against the ground, to which the Gemara says, no. Just because he could be standing, laying, or leaning doesn't mean he doesn't meet on the ground. You could be, we don't care how his body is positioned as long as his foot is on the ground. But we're sticking, we're sticking to that. So Amemar is teaching us that for Chalitza to be valid, foot must be on the ground to ensure that it's, that it's her pressure that's going to be removing the shoe. Viamar Amemar, and Amemar also taught us, Haiman de Misani, de Misage al Lichasa, a person, Haiman de Misagi le al Lichasa de Kare. A person who walks on the, uh, it really means the top of his foot, okay? We're going to call it kind of like, you know, when people, sometimes you twist your ankle, you're like standing on the side of your foot. So if, let's say you have a guy who walks with it, his feet are like tilted inwards. Loi chalitz. So in such, a, in such a situation, you're not allowed to do, you're not able to do chalitza. Not able to do chalitza. What's the reason? So there's a fascinating Rashi here. But Rashi Dibra Maskal Alichse Dikare says that really when a person's foot is so um, out of position that the Amemar is telling us it's not even called a regal. It's not called a regal anymore. Because of the because of because it's turned to the side. You know, and you're like walking on your ankle or whatever it is. So it loses its status of being a rego, and therefore it's not going to be valid. So Amalei Ravashi Lameimar. Ravashi says to Amemar, Vahatani, we learned in the Brisa, Smucha is Haraglayim, that um, if there was uh, something that, that your foot leans on, something that supports your foot, that's a kosher chalitza. Lav de chalitz ba'ihu. Aren't we talking about a case where. You have the Yavam himself who's going to be doing the Chalitza with whatever his foot is leaning on. So you see from here that even if a person needs something for his foot to lean on, we're assuming that means that his feet aren't formed properly. You could still have a valid Chalitza. Listen, can you do Chalitza without a foot? You can't do Chalitza without a foot. So according to Amemar, it's not a foot. So there's no Chalitza. So what do you mean? Don't tell me it's not a foot. That's exactly what smucha saraglayim are, lechora. When something that you you have to support your feet in, because otherwise you can't walk, and still we see it's going to be valid. So Amemar, you must be wrong. So the Gemara says, no, you're making the wrong diok. Lai, I'll tell you what happened. Yeah, he gave his his whatever his foot leans on to somebody else, a regular person, vechalitz, and the other person is doing the chalitza using. Somebody else's, uh, so somebody else's shoe, which is leaned on. In other words, like this. Ready? You have a guy with deformed feet. Amemar had said, it's not called a foot. You're not going to have a valid chalitza with these, these uh, things, these types, special shoes that you need. Why? Because you don't have a foot. But here's the deal. What happens if this guy with deformed feet and special shoes, lends his shoe to somebody without deformed feet. So in other words, you're wearing your special shoe even though you don't really need it. It's like a, 
a guy playing left field wearing a catcher's mitt. You don't need to wear a catcher's mitt. But if you catch a ball in left field with a catcher's mitt, it's a catch. So that's where we say, that's what Amemar is going to respond to Ravashi. Where do we say you could use these special shoes, these special support shoes? That's if you have a properly formed foot, you can use these special shoes. But if your foot is deformed, even though it's meant for you, you cannot use it anymore because it's not called you having a foot. Amar Ravashi, Ravashi says, According to Amemar, Baruva and Barkipov both cannot do Chalitza. Why not? Um, because they had, uh, you know, they had these, these uh, deformed feet. And hence, because they, he's, he's just explaining who, you know, who cannot do Chalitza. These types of guys who walk around like this, they had deformed feet, and it's not going to be a valid chalitza if they're ever under those, you know, if they're ever in a situation of chalitza. Okay, period, end of that Gemara. Two dots, here we go. Here we go. Says the Gemara, We said as long as the foot comes below the knee, it's going to be a kosher chalitza. Okay, very good. Says the Gemara. So anywhere, as long as you, there, there's enough leg beneath the knee, anything that's removed from that is called a foot, and it's going to be a valid chalitza. Fine. Says the Gemara of Is it really true that as long as there's something under the knee, it's going to be valid? Ramini has a contradiction. Regalim. It says you should go up three times. You should, you should uh, travel up to Yerushalayim, to Regalim, Pratla Balei Kabin which excludes people with wooden feet, amputees, they don't have a mitzvah to be Eile Regel. Oh, so you see from here that even people with wooden feet are called without legs. Beautiful kasha. Because anybody who lost a foot, the halacha is they don't have an obligation to, uh, to go up to Yerushalayim. The Bryce is letting me know that in order to be called a regel, it's not enough that you just have a leg under your knee, you mamish need to have a foot. So which is it? Is a regel anything under the knee, or is a regel a foot? That's what we have to clarify here. So the Gemara says, shiny hacha, different, it's different over here, by chalitza, it's different than ayla regel, tichsiv me'al raglai, she has to take the shoe off of, she has to take the shoe from his foot, since um, from above his foot, okay. So over there, uh, we're going to use the drasha of me'al to teach me that even if the sh- even if something is taken off of anything beneath the knee, that's going to have the status of a foot as well. However, by eila regel, where we're going to there, since let's say me'al ragle, we're going to assume it means the regel itself, the foot itself, and as long as there's no foot. You're going to be putter from being oiler regal. Says Gemara Yachi, if true, even above the knee, it should be a kosher chalitza. Gemara says, no, me'al, v'le me'al, de me'al. Above the foot is, we'll call it the calf, right? But to go all the way up to the thigh, if she removes, if a guy's amputated to his middle of his, his uh, thigh bone, and then he puts a shoe there, she removes it, is that kosher? No. Because that's me'al de me'al. That's above the place, that's above the foot. Okay? Fine. Amar of Papa, of Papa says, Shmamina, you see from here, Hai is Tevira, 
this istavira, this um, uh, an ankle, ad arsad nachis. The ankle goes all the way down to the ground. Okay, the ankle area goes all the way down to the bottom of the hill. If you're going to say that there's a there's a separation between the ankle and the heel, high love ihu meal veshuka meal meal. Beautiful. Then you can have the heel, the ankles above the heel. And then the calf is above the ankle. The, the calf itself would be called me'al de me'al. And the thigh would be called me'al de me'al de me'al. The fact that we're allowing the leg to be called the area that's right above the foot implies that the ankle is part of the foot. Gavaldi. Amravashi, you know, you could say that, that biologically, <clears throat> the ankle and the heel are separate. Call because anything that comes all the way down to the foot would be called the foot. Hence the ankle, even if it's not necessarily the same, you know, even if it's not necessarily exactly connected, however, it comes all the way down to the bottom, it automatically takes on the status of regal, and therefore the calf is what's going to be called me'al ragloi. Okay. Period, two dots. Givaldik. Let's say she removes the shoe for chalitza above the knee. We said that's not a kosher it's not a valid chalitza. Says the Gemara, Moshe Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana asked the challenging question. How could you tell me the Lord thing as a regal above the knee? It's like the shilya, the placenta, that comes out between her legs. You see, even the upper leg is called a regal. That's where the placenta comes out from. It, it comes out and then it goes to the upper leg. You see, even the upper leg is called a regal. Hence, it should be a valid chalitza, even if she removes a shoe in the upper leg. Answer the Gemara, When a woman is kairas, when a woman crouches down to give birth, she brings her lower legs to her upper legs and gives birth. And therefore, that's why we're calling it regal, because the, the, the placenta is coming, is coming out to her regal, because Lamaisa, the lower leg, is right there as well, because it's being brought in her crouching stance, being brought up. Tashma, come and listen. The Pasuk says that he hasn't, he hasn't done his feet, and he hasn't um, done his Sifamai. Sifamai is the, is the uh, mustache, the area above the mouth. Okay, so Gemara's, basically the Gemara is asking a question that um, you see from over here that it's referring, uh, apparently over there the word regal is referring to the upper leg, okay, why? Because it, there the story is, Rashi explains the story of Mephibosheth and he didn't cut the hair that was, that was in his upper thigh, he didn't cut the hair in his upper thigh, um, because he was he was um, upset that David Amalek had left, so he didn't cut his mustache. He, he wasn't he wasn't cutting the hair in his upper leg. But Lamaisa were calling the upper leg the regal. So the Gemara says Lishna Ma'alya. It's not literal. It's not it's not literal. All right, it doesn't mean literally as regal. It's it's just a term that we use. But you can't bring a proof from there. Toshma v'yavi shol l'hosichis raglov. Shol came to cover up his his raglov. And that's talking about when he was using the restrooms. We're assuming that regal is referring to the upper leg. You see regal is called the upper leg and therefore it should be a valid chalitza if she removes the shoe from the upper leg. The Gemara says like, there as well, lishna me'alya. Okay, toshma. Ach, mesach, 
who es raglov bechadar hamikare. He's covering his raglayim in the cold cheder, in the cold room. That's also referring to using the restroom. And you see the word regal is the upper leg. Lishnamalia, same answer. Bein ragleha bechulu between her raglayim between her legs. It was uh, bent over. We're going to get a little bit into this story over here. Um, as the Gemara says as well, Lishna Me'alya, that's also uh, a Lishna Me'alya, just an expression. Now let's pause for a moment and explain what this last verse of Bain Ragleha is referring to. So this is getting into the fascinating story between Sisra and Ya'el. Okay, Sisra was a general from Eretz Canaan, from the land of Canaan. And he, he, he was running for the hills, okay? He was scared, and he, as he was running away, um, he found a woman by the name of Yael, and she invited him in, got him tired, he fell asleep, and she killed him. She killed him with, uh, she killed him with a, um, one of the pegs of the tent. Okay, now in order to get him to sleep, he was a big, rough and tough general. In order to get him to sleep, so Yael um, wanted to tire out his body, so she kind of seduced him to, um, to have relations. And we're about to get into this story, but within the relations, it says that he bent over to her raglayim. Now the raglayim that is referring to is the, is the intercourse, the relations that he, was, that he was trying to have with her. So you see that raglayim is even the upper thigh. It's even called raglayim. And if it's called, if the upper thigh is called raglayim, so why isn't chalitza from a shoe of the upper thigh going to be valid? That was the Gemara's question. And the Gemara's answer is, again, lishna ma'alya, it's just a, a, an expression. But now the Gemara is going to go in a little bit and get, a, get into this story, really a fascinating story, what took place between sister and Yal. So here we go. Omar Rabbi Yechen, listen to the story. Rabbi Yechen says, Sheva bi'ilois, there were seven Acts of intercourse. Ba'al Aisai Russia that Sisra had Ba'isai Hayyim that day. Sisra and Ya'el together, after she invited him into the tent to try to trick him to get him killed, so she can kill him, they actually had relations seven times together. Shenemar, as it says, Bain Ragleha, between her legs, Kara, he he um, he bent. Nafal, he fell, Shachav, and he laid down. Bain Rigaleha Kara Nafal. Between her her legs, her or feet, Kara, he bent, then Nafal and he fell. Ba'asher Kara Shom Nafal Shodud. Where he, he bent, he fell, and Shodud, and he kind of lost his life. Okay. So you see this expression over and over being falling, uh, bending, and, and laying down with her. So you see these seven expressions. So the Gemara says, I don't understand something. Let's, let's get into the story. Let's get into the story. Um, the question was, you know, Vahaka mishanya ma'averu. Isn't she getting benefit, pleasure from the Averu? Now this is interesting. The Gemara actually has nothing wrong uh, the, the Gemara has no issue at all with what Ya'el did because um, she was, we know she was saving Gans Klal Yisrael. Usually you have to give yourself, your, your life up for uh, relations, but over here she's Mama saving Klal Yisrael. Think of, ready? 
Think of Asa, uh, Asa. Think of Esther and Achashverosh. When Esther went into Achashverosh, she knew she was setting herself up for willing intercourse, so to speak. But to save Klal Yisrael, such a thing was mutter. Okay? So Gemara says, I know that she was allowed to do this. However, Lamaisa, she's seven times, she's going to get some sort of benefit from the Avera. Um, so the Gemara is just kind of questioning this nuance of, of you know, how, do we, how are we supposed to view the pleasure that she received? So Amar incredible. You ready? Anything that Rishayim consider good, you think Yael consider this to be pleasurable? Anything that a, that a Russia um, benefits from, he eats al tzaddikim. Tzaddikim are despised by it. They don't even want it. They don't want it. Shinamar, this is a very, it's a very deep and beautiful concept. To be disgusted by the lifestyle of wicked people. Even if you do the same, even if like, you know, we have to get involved in something that usually we would enjoy. But the fact that it's being done with a Russia, by a Russia, becomes something that it's, it's just, it's not even pleasurable. It's nauseating. Rashi Yitzel Tzadikim, Shenemar, Hishomer Lecha, Pentedaber, be careful, maybe, uh, perhaps you will speak, Im Yaakov, Mitoivad Ra, with Yaakov, from Gorebet, Bishlamar Ra, it makes sense, why, this is Ta'akadosh Baruch, who's telling Lovan to watch out, how he handles Yaakov. It makes sense, uh, that you know that he not to mess with Yaakov in a bad way. Lachaye, we get that. Alatayva Milei. Why did Hakadosh Baruch Hu want Lavan to even do good with his son-in-law? He tells Lavan, "Don't mess with Yaakov, good or bad. Bad, we understand. Why not good? Alatayva Milei. Alashmami not tevasan shall reshaim ra. He hates Alzadikim. You're Rashi. You think you're doing good with Yaakov Avinu? He wants nothing to do with you." He won't even get any sort of geschmack from anything you give him. Second, so, the says, he doesn't need you. He doesn't need your problems. He doesn't need your blessings. He doesn't want anything. He just don't mess with him. What's the Gemara answering? That what Yael did, even though we know she was allowed to, even as far as receiving pleasure from it, you should know it wasn't pleasure. There's no pleasure. There's no pleasure to, to be living with a guy like Sisra. So Gemara says, Bishlam Hasam. Okay. It makes sense by Lavan over there. Doma You know, uh, if Lavan wants to even say something nice to uh, Yaakov Avinu, yeah, so he, he might, might mention some of his avodas You know, during their uh, during their meeting. But over here, my raw ika. What sort of uh, badness could there possibly have uh, have come? Okay, so Gemara says the kashadi so now the Gemara is getting a little bit further into the story. And it says that Yael, by having intercourse with Sisra, received something that was from him in her body. Okay? He gave Tuma to her body. explains. When the snake came to Chava, he put Tumah inside of her. He mamish put the Yetzer Hara 
inside of her. Yisrael shomdu al ar Sinai, and when Yisrael stood at ar Sinai, posku zuamoson, whatever was instilled inside of her, that was switched. It kind of like switched out. The Torah came and and got rid of that uh, got rid of that impurity. Who also come from Adam and Chava, and they didn't receive the Torah like They still have this Tuma Mamish ligging living inside of them, and therefore, through his having relations with Yael, it's called you know it's called something that's bad for her because he put this impurity inside of her. Okay, Mamish, incredible. Bottom line, why do we get onto that? Because of the expression that we found that Sisra was between the thighs of Yael. So we tried proving that between the thighs is referring, you know, even the upper leg is called Regal. And the Gemara is answering here, no, that's not true. We answered that it's just a Lishna Ma'alia, just an expression. But, um, but Raglayim, we're still sticking to our guns, means the lower leg. Okay. Gavaldik. Says the Gemara Viter two dots. We learned in the Mishnah. Does she have to use his shoe for chalitza? The answer is no. It could be anybody's shoe. As long as it's a shoe and a foot, it doesn't need to be his shoe. Okay. Tanra, Banan, the rabbis learned so shoe. Na alay, his shoe. Aim the That seems to imply it needs to be his shoe. Na al shal how do I know it could be the shoe of anybody else? Talmud Leimar, Na'al. Because it also says, in the, there's another word in the Torah which says, Na'al, Beis Chalutz Hana'al. Okay, fine. Which means, Na'al Mikomak. Says the Gemara, one second. So one place in the Torah, it says his shoe. The other place, it just says shoe. How do you know which one's correct? Imkain Ma Talmud Leimar Na'alai. Why does it say his shoe then? If it doesn't need to be his shoe, why does it say his shoe? So says, His shoe means there's got to be a shoe that is fit for him. Meaning, It cannot be a shoe, as we learned earlier, that's so big that his foot will slip right out. It's way too big. He can't even walk. Nor if it's somebody else's shoe, it cannot be a type of shoe that doesn't cover most of his foot. And also excluding a sandal with broken straps. Okay, bottom line. It says na'aloi and na'al. Why? Because it could be anybody's shoe, but whoever shoe he's using has to fit him well enough that he could walk in it. Okay, Gavaldik. Abaye have a koi kamed Rabbi Yosef. Abaye was standing in front of his beloved Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef. So Abaye is there with his Rabbi, and a Yavama came to perform chalitza. Amarle. So Rabbi Yosef tells his beloved student, his beloved Talmud Abaye, Havli sandalach. No, Abaye, I want to borrow your sandal. I want to borrow your sandals. Yavle sandala desmala. So Abaye agreed to give him his left sandal. Okay. Very good. Now, why his left sandal? So if you look at Rashi over here, Rashi says, uh, it's the second thin line in Rashi, towards the top, the sixth line from the top of Rashi. Yohev laid the smola, the of it. Abaye purposely 
intentionally gave him his left one. Because Abaye didn't agree. He didn't agree that if it's not your shoe, you should do it initially, right? So Abaye took off his left shoe. Is supposed to, usually things are done with the right to perform a mitzvah. He took off his left shoe. Because he didn't really agree that this should be, this should be done. Okay, fine. So let's keep going. What happened now? Amar Lehi. So his Rebbe says to him, Amor the Amor Rabbanon the Ovid lechatchila miyava mi Amor. He says one second. Why give me your left shoe? Really, mitzvahs are supposed to be really all mitzvahs should be done with the right shoe, and lechatchila should be done with the right shoe. So when I ask you for your shoe, my beloved student, I expect the right one. He's basically saying, please switch. Amar Lehi. So he says back to him, One second, Rebbe, you want to do this in the most perfect way? So you want the right shoe? Well, let me tell you, let me say something, my dear beloved Rebbe. A sandal that's not his is not ideal. When the Rabbanans say that you could use somebody else's shoe, were they saying that even lechatchila? Even ideally? Meaning, if you want to do this right, Tell the Yavam to go home and get his own shoe. Amar Hachi Kamin You're right. But this is what I meant to tell you, Abaye. Havlei va'aknilei. Take off your shoe and gift it to him. Give it to him. This way it will be his. And now that it's his, he'll use the right one and we're going to do this mitzvah in the ideal fashion. Gishmak. Okay. Sandal shall eats. We say, what if you have a, a sandal made out of wood? It's also kosher. Man Tana, who, uh, who's uh, the author? Who's the Tana who, agreed, who wrote that halacha? Amar Shmuel, Remeir, he, the Tanam, we went to the Mishnah. Hakita Yitzhak Bekav Shaloi, if a person has a cut off leg, he's allowed to go out with a wooden foot. Dibi Rabbi Meir, this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yaisi Eiser says, you cannot, Kavaldik. So you see, it's the opinion of Rabbi Meir who holds, it's called the shoe. Avod the Shmuel Amar, Bemechufer, or that we're talking about a sandal that's actually, it's wood, but it's coated with leather, and everybody will agree that, that um, that's certainly going to be considered a valid shoe, and it's going to be a kosher chalitza. Again, a wooden shoe covered in leather is certainly going to be okay. Amr of Papi Mishmeda Rava, Rav Papi says in the name of Rava, you should know, sandal ha-musker, when you have a sandal, that is musker. Ah, gishmak. Remember, what's the case of musker? So, when somebody gets tzaras, so the kayan would come look at it and quarantine for seven days. Now, before the guy got tzaras on his body, first it would go to his home and then it would go to his clothing. So what happens if you have a guy's shoe, a guy's sandal, but now it's in quarantine? Because we're waiting for the Kayan to come back and check it out seven days later. So, you should not do chalitza with a shoe that's in quarantine. Okay? Why? Why? Because really, even though right now we don't know for sure that, there, that there's a problem with it, but if we're going to start letting this be used, we might allow even full tzaras shoes that are completely uh, a problem. To be used. Okay. But if you did do chalitza on a quarantined sandal, it's going to be valid. However, sandal hamachut, as we just said, let's say you have a sandal that for sure has saras, 
It does not work at all. You know why? This is fascinating, fascinating halacha, and that's as follows. The halacha of a shoe that has saras is it, it, nothing to do. You had to burn it. It was forbidden to benefit. Anything that in halacha is you're obligated to get rid of, ready for this, it's considered like it's already gotten rid of, hence it's not even a shoe. It's nish the shoe. You look at that shoe with saras, don't call it shoe. It's ashes. That's all it is. It's already burnt. And Mamela, you can't use it because it's not even a shoe. Okay, fine. So again, um, a uh, shoe that is mukhlat, uh, I'm sorry, a, a shoe that is a, a um, yeah, a, a sandal that's mukhlat, that for sure has saras, that's not good. A sandal that's only musker, that's only quarantined, Bidiyevet, it's fine. Lechatchila, you shouldn't. Because you might come to use a confirmed sandal. Okay. Says the Gemara, Rav Papa, the Rav Amar, Rav Papa, the name of Rav says, Echad sandal, muskir, echad sandal, whether it was a quarantine shoe, whether a, a you know, already paskened on shoe, leisachles, but either way, you can't do chalitza. Either way, you should not do chalitza. Vim chalitza, but if you did, chalitza sakshira. Even a confirmed Tsarashu, it's going to be okay. So you see from here, we don't view this Tsarashu like it's already lacking the measurement, which has to be explained. Why not? So the Gemara says like this. One second. May say that's a challenging question. If you have a bias that's musker, that's only been quarantined. So whatever's in it, it gives off tumult to anything that's inside of it. If it's mukhut, it's already been paskin on to be tsaras. So then anything that's inside of it and anything that is behind it, all anything that touches it from the outside also becomes tummy. And both of them are, are metame, anything that goes inside, you know, in and out. And if you're going to say that we view something that has to be knocked down, like it's already gone, you can't become tummy when you come to the house. You know why? You know what you should say? It's not a house. According to what you're saying, that a house that has to be knocked down and anything that needs to be burnt is nished the house, and it's nished the shoe. So why when somebody walks in it, do you say, oh, you just walked into a tummy house. You know what he should respond? It's not a house. It's not a house. It's already in on to be knocked down. So don't tell me it's a house. It's just a bunch of bricks. It's what it says, shiny hasam. By the house, it's different. The Yomar Krav and Notat, that's a bias. It says you have to knock down the house. Which means even at the time that it's knocked down, it's called a house. So therefore, it's going to be tummy. However... If not for that Xeris HaKosov, if not for that Pasuk, the Nena Hanami, something that's possible to be burnt, is burnt. And therefore, we're still sticking to our guns that it's not going to be valid. Okay. It's not a valid shoe to be used for Khalid. So Gemara says, okay, Toshma, come and listen. Metalis sheyesh by shleisha al shleisha. Oh, it's Gishmak Allah. Here we go. If you have a piece of fabric, anything, yeah, material, cloth, that is the measurement of three fingers, 
Okay? Three fingers by three fingers. So now here's the deal. When it comes to the laws of Tumah and Tara, of purity and impurity, anything that's smaller than the size of three fingers cannot become Tumah. In order to be Tumah, it has to have a use. It has to be a kli, it has to be a vessel. Something that's smaller than three fingers by three fingers is considered nothing. It's not a kli, so it's not Bekabotum. Once you get to this and this, so then, right, these three fingers, so then it could really take on Tumah. Why? Because poor people would use this measurement of three fingers by three fingers to patch up their clothing. If some of their clothing started to get worn out, they would take this size, so it's called a patch. So it's called a kli. Okay, so you have this material, this fabric, this cloth, that's three fingers by three fingers. Even if it doesn't have the measurement of a kezayis, okay, usually you need um, uh, the, the size of a kezayis to give over tumah. Once most of it enters a house that's tahar, it makes the house tamihidis. So you take this little cloth and you insert a majority of it into a tahar house. This little this uh, little cloth can now make things tummy. My love, mechletes. Aren't we talking about a piece of uh, a piece of garment, a piece of cloth that has tsaras on it? It's already been paskin, and it's going to make the whole house tummy. But what do you see from here, asked the Gemara? If this piece of cloth has to be burned, why are you even calling it a cloth? It shouldn't be called a cloth. Gemara says, We're not dealing with a confirmed cloth. We're dealing with a cloth that's been put in quarantine. Says Gemara, really? If that's the case, if so, even if that cloth was much bigger, once a Gazayas entered a Torah house, which make the whole house tummy. Now it may, this all makes sense if you hold we're dealing with a Paskinon Tzaraz, we're going to say that it's, a, it's the same as uh, gives off Toma just like a dead body. If you're dealing with only something that's put into quarantine, why are you comparing it to a corpse? A corpse is confirmed to be tummy. Over here, it's just in quarantine. Don't put it in the same category as a, as a corpse, as tummy mace. So that can't be the case. The case that we're dealing with, it cannot be, de- uh, it, it, it cannot be dealing with a cloth that is only musker, that's only been quarantined. It has to be talking about a vaday tumma, it's been paskindon, it's a muchlet. It's been paskindon and it's mamish like a, it's mamish like a corpse. So, to go, so we're back to our question. So Gemara says, shiny hasam. It's different by the garment, the Yomakra, because it says in the Pasuk, Vesaraf has a begad, you have to burn the begad, you have to burn the garment. I feel a bishat sreif, a kari begad. You see, even at the time of burning, it's still called a begad, similar to the house. So, Veligmar Minei says, Why don't we use that as a source? Why don't we use the piece of cloth as a source? Now, it's still called a cloth, even though it's obligated to be burnt, to tell me that the same way the cloth, the cloth is still called a cloth, even though it's tame, so too a shoe. Even if it's tummy, it should be called a shoe, and it should be a valid chalitza if I use a confirmed tummy, a, a confirmed tsaras shoe. It should be a valid chalitza. It's a shoe. I, but it's already paskindon? Well, maybe the same as a garment. A garment, you said it's paskindon, it's still called a garment. So why is shoe different? So the Gemara says, Isra mi tumma Beautiful. 
and this is a rule in general, the laws of, of Isser and Heter, of what's permitted and not permitted, is different than the laws of Tumah. So even though by Tumah, we're going to say that it's going to have a status of a Beged, let's say, it doesn't mean that I can now use that status within the parameters of Isser Beheter, which is Chalitza, of what's permitted and what's not permitted. So interestingly, as far as something's ability, this is a fascinating concept, as far as something's ability to transmit Toma and being called a, a Beged in that way or a shoe in that way, granted, it will be able to transmit Toma and be called a shoe. But as far as being called a shoe for Isra Behetar, no, it's not. And hence, it's not going to be a valid Chalitza if you use a confirmed Tsaras shoe, not a valid Chalitza, even though that shoe will give off Toma. It's a kli as far as Toma is concerned. But as far as Chalitza is concerned, it's not. Amarava Rabbah says, Hochazadalach is, Echad Sandalam Muskar, Echad Sandalam Mukhlud, whether you use a sandal that is quarantined, or whether you have a sandal that is already paskined. Whether you have a sandal of Avaidas Kechavim, which is, Rashi explains, forbidden to benefit from. Yeah? You're not allowed to benefit, something that's used for Avaidas Zara. You're not allowed to initially use them for chalitza. However, vim if let's say you use these two types of tzaras shoes or shoes that were used for Avaidas Zara, if you did it, chalitza sakshira. The chalitza is going to be valid after the fact. Okay? It's going to be valid after the fact. Shel tikraivas, avaydas kachavim. But what about the, a shoe of, of an avaydas kachavim mamish? Okay? It's not like you used it to, uh, to, move, to move an avaydas kachavim. But this is a type of shoe that was given as part, so to speak, a direct usage of an Avaidazara that's forbidden to benefit from, so then, top of tomorrow's daf, and also Ernidagas, which you know is a city from Parshas Re'eh and Devarim, where you have majority of the city serves Avaidazara, there's the obligation to go burn down and, and pulverize the entire, the entire city, Vishalzokin, also the Chvaidai, or something that's used for Tachrichim, which is forbidden to benefit from as well, then all these cases, the chalitza is going to be possible. Says the Gemara, one second. I don't understand something. When you make a, a shoe for, uh, for somebody to be buried in, okay? You can't use it for chalitza, right? That's what we just said. He says, one second. The lavli lucha of it, you know, the, 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 it seems the issue is because the guy ain't walking anymore. So it's not called a shoe. So then in Bezdin as well, we should say, if let's say Bezdin makes a shoe that's only used for Chalitza, incredible, it shouldn't be valid. This is a fascinating Shaila. Says Ravina Tiravashi, one second. You're including a shoe for, that's not going to be walked in, in a category where it's not called a shoe. A shoe for uh, somebody who passed away. Says one second. According to what you're saying, I just want to understand. If let's say Bezdin buys a pair of shoes online only for chalitzas, it shouldn't be valid. You know why? Because it's not meant for anybody to ever walk in. It's just meant for people to, to, who are already in a Bezdin to stick on their foot so they can be taken back off. Are you telling me that if, you, if, if Bezdin buys a shoe for the Bezdin only for the midst of chalitza, that it wouldn't be valid because people don't walk in it? It's a good shayla. 
So the Gemara says, Amarlei, Ilu maski beishlucha de beidina mi kaped ale dayana. Then it's a bad question. It's a bad, uh, not a bad question, but it's a bad contrast. You know why? Because even if Bezdin buys a shoe specifically for chalitza, let's say the shliach Bezdin had to walk to the makolet for a couple minutes. They'll care? No. They just want to have a set of shoes on hand for chalitza to be done. Hence, even if it's really meant for chalitza, but since somebody who would, if somebody would choose, they can't find their shoes in the Bezdin, can I borrow this chalitza shoe, please? I have to go to the, you know, I have to go pick up gas. Whatever. Since they wouldn't have a wrong with it, hence it has the name of a shoe. However, a shoe that's part of a set of tachrichim that we know is only going straight into the ground, hence, it's not going to be a valid shoe for chalitza. Gavaldik, all right, that leads us up to the Mishnah. And Bezim, tomorrow, 9.30 a.m., we will pick up from the Mishnah on Daf Kof Dalit Amr Aleph. Have a gishmaka, wonderful week, everybody.